So you have a copy of God's word. Turn with me to Lamentations chapter two as we continue our study in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter two. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 17. Lamentations chapter two, verses 10 through 17. And what we'll see here is different reactions to the wrath of God. We'll see in uh, verses 10 through 13, we'll see mourning. Uh, Verse 14, we'll see that uh, the nation was warned and allowed themselves to be deceived uh, as they heard the truth of what Jeremiah had to tell them about their present state and what was to come. They allowed themselves to uh, follow false teachers or false prophets, I should say. And then we'll see that even the enemies responded to the wrath of God and, and, and ridiculed the people of God in verses 15 through 17. So look with me at verse number 10. Jeremiah writes, the elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bowel is poured out to the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because infants, and babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, where is my bread and wine? As they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. What can I say for you? To to what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken to you, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion, for your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but you have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss. They gnash their teeth. They cry, we have swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we long for. Now we have it. We see it. The Lord has purpose, has done what he has purposed. He has called out his word. He has carried out his word, excuse me, which carried, which was commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalt the mighty of your 
foes. Again, we see in our passage a demonstration or illustration of the wrath of God. And what we have in Lamentations, what we have in Lamentations is the expression of God's wrath of abandonment. God has abandoned his people. God's wrath of abandonment is his wrath of when he expresses his uh, uh, displeasure against his people and he turns or against people uh, who sin and he turns his back upon them. He can do this with the society. He can abandon society and turn his back on a society. And as he turns his back on a society, he turns them over to themselves. He turns his back and he turns and gives them over to themselves to pursue sin. And even and when God turns his back, he turns his back and, and uh, he, he doesn't give the people the ability to be pers persuaded by biblical truth. Uh, they 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 in a sense, as my brother said, they call the, the truth, the, the good. They call it evil. And they pursue hard after sin in Romans one and 18. It says that the wrath of God is revealed here. It's a it's in the present tense and it is uh, continuous. This this revealing of God's wrath is happening even now. It, it is being revealed, though ever so slightly, it is being poured out against all the unrighteous and ungodly who suppress the truth and righteousness, Paul says. It's almost as if you can see it this way, like a, a dam that is holding back uh, a, a, a great amount of water. And then there's a, you see a crack in the dam and you start seeing just little droplets start coming out of that dam. That's just a preview of what is to come. And that's what happens. This is what God does to a society. And this is what God is, is showing us in limitations. This is just a preview of what is to come for the wicked in eternity. One day in eternity, when, the, when, the, when, when Christ comes back on the day of judgment, the dam of God's wrath is going to burst. And the, and the wrath and God's full wrath is going to be poured out. And there is going to be none to stop it. There is going to be none to deliver. And it's going to be too late. And and this is why Lamentations is so important to us to to understand and to 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 put into our minds. Because it is an illustration of God pouring out his wrath ever so slightly upon those who are wicked. We are living in a time where where God is in his goodness to us, allowing us the opportunity to take the gospel, to take the gospel to those who don't know. And I pray that lamentations become your motivation to do that very work, to do the work of the gospel. And not only to do the work of the gospel and taking the gospel out to those who, who
who don't know the gospel, but to search and examine your own heart and ensure that you deal with your sin. God doesn't pour out his wrath upon us as his people who have embraced Christ, but he does chasten us and it can hurt too. So let's look at Lamentations chapter two, verse 10. What we'll see here is a, a mourning nation, a nation that is in mourning because God has has judged his people. Look at verse 10. The elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. These elders here uh, could refer to heads of family or uh, to uh, the the those who are are in the uh, government, every uh, city, uh, according to one of the commentaries I read, had uh, elders, uh, those who were uh, to give counsel, who were to hear uh, disagreements and things like that, and and give advice or counsel in regards to what was brought before them. But notice what these elders here are doing. They're they, they're not giving advice. They're not giving counsel this is what they were accustomed to doing they're sitting on the ground they have nothing to say they're sitting silently they're taking dust and they've taken dust and put it on their heads and they're wearing sackcloth and 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 both of these are signs of great suffering great grief about what is taking place they're silent and they are they are mourning what has taken place, and so not only are are the elders who this this term elders refers to uh, those who are gray headed, those who are old. Not only are the old in mourning. Look at the text: the young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. These young women uh, were. Those who would express the joy of Judah with song and dance. Now they just only hang their heads in remorse. One author noted that perhaps Jeremiah is hi highlighting both the elders who are the, the old and the young women here to show the extent of mourning. That both the, the old and the young are impacted by what God has done. There is no pref uh, preferential treatment before God. There is no partiality. God has judged and he has judged them all. Notice even Jeremiah. Notice Jeremiah's response in verse 11. Jeremiah can, he is writing these laments, these, these five laments. And, and, and as he writes, he, he cannot bear any longer to write and and describe what what he is seeing his grief even he himself his grief is so great that that is impacting his entire being notice he says my eyes are spent with weeping he has cried until he cannot cry anymore he says this something similar to this in Jeremiah 13, verse number 17. He says, but if you would not listen to it, to what he has told him, he says, my soul will sob in secret 
for such pride. And my eyes will bitterly weep and flow down with tears because the flock of the Lord has been taken captive. Jeremiah goes on. He says, my eyes are spent with weeping. He's crying and he's crying and he's crying. He says, my stomach churns. That, that what he is seeing is, is, is not only causing him to weep, but it's impacting him in his, in his, in his stomach. His stomach is churning. His, his, his stomach is, is in, uh, is in turmoil. He's being tormented emotionally in his inner man. He says, my bile is poured out on the ground. And this could be literally or figuratively, but whatever Jeremiah is referring to, he may be throwing up. But whatever he's referring to, he's in deep distress. He, he is emotionally wiped out. And, 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 and why? Why is it that, that Jeremiah is, 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 is spent emotionally? Look what he goes on, he says. He, he, he is spent because he saw the, the helpless children of, the, of their society bear the consequences of the nation's sin. He says, because of the, of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Look, notice that term, my people. Keep that in mind. Because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. Even the infants and the babies are suffering. And what Jeremiah is describing here, he is describing that they are starving. They're growing weak day by day. And, and it gets even dimmer, they plead to their mothers to give them food. Look at verse number 12. They cry. They cry. J j visualize what Jeremiah is seeing here. They cry to their mothers. Where is bread and wine? Mom, where is my food? They're saying. Mommy, I'm hungry. Can, can, can you imagine the sound of, of babies crying to their mothers for food? Because they're starving to death. And their mothers are helpless to help them. There is no food. That there is nothing that these mothers who would no doubt lay down their lives for their children, there is nothing that they can do. They are helpless. They are powerless. God's judgment is without partiality. Jeremiah goes on. He says, as they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out, on their mother's bosom. These mothers are watching their children not only faint, but they're watching them die. 
die slowly like a wounded man. Abner Child noted in regards to this, he said the location of this scene again intensifies the tragedy. This is happening as the mothers hold their, their children in their bosom, the most intimate place. They're, they're holding, he says, this intensifies the tragedy. The mother's bosom, a place of safety and nurturing, becomes the deathbed, end quote. It's, this helps us to see something about God's wrath, that it touches everything. It touches everyone. There is not going to be one who in the in, in, in hell that is experiencing the eternal wrath of God, that there's going to be no one there that is going to be left untouched. Young, old, and here it, it, it shows us even the most intimate and, and affectionate loving relationships here in our text, the the, the most loving and affectionate relationships are, are not un, are left untouched by God. Oh, how we should bow the knee to God when we sin. Uh, this, this God and, the, and his desire for us to live holy lives is a serious thing and is what Jeremiah is saying here. We can make it trivial. Oh, we God's people. And Israel did the same. Oh, we God's people. God is on my side. I can get away with this, this little sin. It doesn't matter. But the reality is, is that God, in his holy eyes, it does matter. And for us, Christ took, Christ took for us the, the, the wrath of God and, and we are now resting in his, in a sense, in his bosom of safety. We are in Christ and, and we are experiencing his safety. But for those who are not in Christ, they, they, they are not experiencing such blessing. I told you to remember that Jeremiah noticed the phrase destruction of my people. This phrase here. Is so precious in regards to this man of God. God not only gave Jeremiah the task of taking uh, his message to his people and warning them about the judgment to come. Not only did God give Jeremiah that task to, to take that that word to his people, he also he also uh, put Jeremiah in that judgment. Jeremiah has preached for 40 years. Uh, he's, you, you need to repent. This is what coming and the people put him in the prison. They beat him. They did all kinds of things to, and, and rejected the message of Jeremiah. They rejected his ministry for 40 years. Jeremiah has watched the Babylonian army come in and invade. Jeremiah has watched 
the survivors that remain, uh, those survivors, he watched them be taken off into captivity. Jeremiah is watching these mothers and, and their babies. He's watching these babies die. He's watching, he's watching all of this. And he knows that this is happening because of their sin. And here's the miracle. Jeremiah is seeing all of this and he's not bitter. He says the, 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 the destruction of my people. He, he, he is sensitive to their pain and suffering, even though they're responsible for what's happening. Don't miss that. He, he himself is displaying the Lord's patience and his long suffering and his commitment to his people. God says in Ezekiel 33 verse 11, God says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why will you die? Oh, house of Israel. God is not sitting back and laughing at his people. He is through the prophet Jeremiah showing that he hasn't abandoned him. Jeremiah is writing lamentations to, to those who remain. And this is the, the attitude that we're to have. Paul had it. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. Jeremiah is not sitting back saying, I told you so. That's what you get. And neither did Paul. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. We'll start there. As Paul is speaking about the people of Israel, he says, verse 1 of chapter 9, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says in verse 2. Did I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart? No, he says, for I could wish that I myself was accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You, you see the, 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 the compassion that the apostle Paul had for the people, his people, his brothers, his kinsmen, the people of Israel who rejected Christ. Turn over to chapter 10. What, what, is it, what is it that Paul desires 
for his people, the Jewish people. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And Paul doesn't end there. He, he gives us instruction. Turn over to chapter 12, verse 15. And I believe this applies. Because those who are in sin are not enjoying it. They may think that they're enjoying it, but deep in their heart, they're weeping. And Jeremiah says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. When those who are in sin began to recognize their true state, we should be in a position to move toward them with compassion. Jeremiah had it. Paul had it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he had it. He left heaven. He came and took on humanity and became a bond servant for you and I. Showing the compassion of God the Father for those who are the elect. We must be sensitive and compassionate and show pity for the, sh the, the sorrow and the hardship of others even when it's their fault. <laughs> even when it's their fault and they're suffering because of what they have done, we're to weep with them. We're not to be cold and judgmental or indifferent to those in sin. Because God wasn't. And God is not even now. God is lifting up his son. And he has he has lifted up his son. He is putting forth his son and say, come to me. Come to me, even though you're suffering. Because of your spiritual sickness. I will heal you. Next thing we'll see, not only were they a mourning nation, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, they were a worn nation. But in the past, they, they chose to believe the, the deceptive lies of the false prophets. And we'll start here in verse 13. Jeremiah says, what? It is, it is kind of bills upon what we were just talking about. Jeremiah said, he can't even find the words. He, he can't find the words to, uh, to, 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 to say to, to what God has done to his people. He, he can't find the words to, to comfort them. He says, what can I say for you? To, to what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What, what can I liken to you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For you, 
for your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can who can heal you? The, the, the magnitude of of what has happened is beyond measure. There is nothing uh, that that Jeremiah can say to them that can explain or describe what has happened so that the people can be confident. There is no example in the world that that he could point to. That there is no this 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 calamity that with this which is which has happened to, to the people of God is the calamity of all calamities. It's not just a calamity. It's the calamity. There is no way that Jeremiah can describe what has happened. It is, he says, your, for your ruin is vast as the sea. As far as Jeremiah can look, everything is in ruin. He looks to the left. Everything is in ruin. To the right, to the front, to the back. He can turn no matter where Jeremiah turns. Their ruin can be seen. And all Jeremiah can say is, right now is that your ruin is so great. There is no way that you can recover. You can't recover. There, you have no hope. But who can? It, he says that there is none who can heal, but there is one who can heal. Only God himself. And, and that is true for our society. Our society. There is nothing. I don't care who it is and what they're saying. They have no solutions that can fix our society. Only God has the solution and the solution is Christ. Christ is the solution. Christ is, as it were, when the people were dying uh, in the wilderness and they were being bit by, by snakes and, 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 and Moses held up the, the rod. That's what we're to do. Lift up Christ so they can see Christ and Christ. There is nothing else that should be on our tongues to help people other than Christ. We need to bring them to Christ. Bring them to Christ. Because there are false teachers out there. There are false prophets out there. There's those who are out there who are teaching deceptive lies. And this is the this is why the people are where they are. Their are prophets. Jeremiah knows he says in verse 14, your prophets, their prophets fail to warn them and expose their iniquity. They instead they they deceive them. Jeremiah says in verse 14, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity. Notice what he says. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes. This could have been avoided. 
Jeremiah says, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. Jeremiah faithfully, the true prophet of God, he faithfully pronounced God's message of warning to the people beforehand. And that if they continue in their rebellion, this is what will happen. God revealed this to Jeremiah because Jeremiah was his prophet. And Amos 3 and 7 it says, for the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Jeremiah was faithful, but unlike Jeremiah, there were those who were not speaking for God. They were prophets, but prophets after their own hearts. And, and instead of exposing the people's sin, they manufactured lies. They manufactured false and misleading prophecies that were designed to, to lure the people of God down the wrong path. They, they said false and, and misleading things which gave the people false hope. The, what false hope that everything is going to be all right. Things are not as bad as as it's not going to get bad. Like like Jeremiah is saying, it's it's going to be OK. Listen to me. Turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, chapter five. And we'll, we'll, we'll see this. Jeremiah, chapter five. Got a couple of scriptures here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter five. Verse number 31, Jeremiah 531. Matter of fact, we'll look at. Go back verse 30, we read verse 30 and 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. And what is it? Verse 31, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to, you see what, it's not just the, the, the and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes, not just the prophets fault or the priests fault. He says, my people love to have it so. <laughs> The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? Turn over to chapter six. Chapter six. Verse 14. And here again. Is a reference to the prophets. They they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, "Peace, peace, where there is no peace." Turn over to chapter eight, verse eleven. 
And here Jeremiah says again, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Turn over to chapter 14, verse 13. <clears throat> then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. Is that true? What we read in Lamentations reveals to us is that that is not true. But this is what it said. The prophets, this is what they're saying. You shall say uh, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assurance in this place. And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Last scripture, Jeremiah chapter 23. You get, you, you, you get it? You see the issue? Jeremiah chapter three, uh, 23, verse 16, verse 16 and 17. Thus said the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord. The, no, it's the the people despise the word of the Lord. And this is what they, this is what these prophets say to them. It shall be well with you. <laughs> and to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Lie, lie, and a lie. Because lamentations, we are seeing the truth. You got these false prophets. They're, they're deceiving with what they're telling. They were deceiving the people and telling them and really telling them things that they wanted to hear. And John MacArthur noted, he said the, at the shepherd's conference, he said the last thing a pastor should do is to make their people feel secure when they aren't. This is what the prophets were doing. They were making God's people who were in sin feel secure, feel comfortable when they weren't. Pastors, all pastors are to are called to declare the whole counsel of God, which includes pressing the hard truths of scripture. There are some things that are in scripture that are just, that are hard, it, like lamentations. It's hard to hear. But God commands all who are under shepherds 
to press it anyway, to teach it anyway. Many pastors today are concerned with losing support or the popularity or the affection of others. Many have selfish concerns. And Matthew Henry noticed something interesting about these prophets. He said, these false prophets knew they could not reprove their hearers without reproaching themselves at the same time. Jeremiah was getting ready to be called by God to go and and to, to take his word to his people. And what did Jeremiah say when he saw a vision of God? Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. He acknowledged that he too was a man who needed cleansing. And these prophets, they if they told the truth about what was to happen to the people, they were among the people. And they were to they were to heed the word as well. And 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 again, I said this earlier, the people are with, they're not without blame because they sought deception rather than choosing God's word. Turn turn back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18. This is that's really what they wanted. Jeremiah 18, verse number 12. <clears throat> we'll go to verse number 11. Now, therefore, say to the son, to, to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus said the Lord, behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Thus said, therefore, thus said the Lord among the nations who has heard the like of this, the virgin Israel has done a horrible thing. Look down at verse 15. But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways, in the ancient roads, and to walk into side roads, not the highway, making their land a horror, a thing to be hissed at forever. We'll see that later on. I will show them my back, not my face in the day of, of their calamity. Then they said, come. This is their response. Come, let us make plots against Jeremiah. <laughs> For the law shall not perish from the priests. Oh, it did. We saw that last week, didn't we? Come, let us strike him with the tongue and let us not pay attention to any of his words. These people reason 
that they didn't need to pay attention to what Jeremiah was saying. They attacked Jeremiah. They rejected. Not just not really Jeremiah, but they rejected God's plan for the nation and devised their own plans. And this is true in our time. Turn to second Thessalonians chapter three. You probably know where I'm going. Second Timothy. Chapter three. Second Timothy chapter chapter three. We look at verses one through five. But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, prior, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Turn over to chapter four. Verse, we look at verse one through four. And what is the man of God to do? I charge you in the presence of God. Paul tells tells Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for. The time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves. Teachers to suit their own passions. And turn and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, enduring, suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So it's true in our times that people do not want to hear the truth of God's word. And they'll turn their back on God's word and and go and and accumulate or get teachers or follow teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear. The widow. Is that, that word is primarily to those who preach and teach. But in a indirect sense, that's to all of us. To everyone, do the work of an evangelist. Even though they don't want to hear, do the work of an evangelist. And so lastly, we see that they were a ridicule nation. It was a, a mourning nation. They was a worn nation, but they gave in to deceit. That's how they responded to the truth of God's wrath. And now we'll see that they're a ridiculed nation. All who saw the present condition of God's people responded by mocking them because of what God has done. Look at verse 15. All who passed by. All who pass along the way, clap their their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. 
Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? God said that this would happen. Jeremiah 18, verse 16. He says to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passed by it will be astonished and shaking and shake their head. That's Jeremiah 18 and 16. And we see it taking place here. Jeremiah verse Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 8. I will also make this city a desolation, an object of hissing. Everyone who passed by will be astonished and hiss because of all its disasters. Again. Jeremiah said that this was going to happen. God had told the people through Jeremiah this would happen and now it's happening. God's word is true, beloved. From from the the smallest letter to 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 the to the to the biggest, <laughs> God God will fulfill His word. God is not lying. When He says He's going to do something, He is going to do it. And not only were the people mocking them, but they were express, uh, expressing intense anger, intense rage against the people. Look at verse 16. All your enemies, they rail against you. They, they hiss. They, they gnash their teeth. They're, they're, by, they're so angry. They're angry at Israel. They're angry. They're biting down in anger. They cry. We have swallowed. They're crying. They're crying. And, and we have swallowed her. Aha, uh -huh. this is the day we long for. Now we have it. We see it. This is what we've been waiting on. Sinners wait and, and rejoice when a Christian falls. They're waiting for, if you have co-workers, I, I told you, but I had a co-worker. They were, I didn't know they was, he was listening to me. But I was talking over here and talking to someone and he immediately called out, oh, so indeed just cussed. I'm just talking to somebody, you know, I didn't cuss. First of all, I made, I didn't at that time. I did at, at back before God saved me. But at this time I was explaining, I was talking to explaining something and he is on the other side of the room listening. Waiting for, and I, I can imagine he's sitting there like this, listening with his back, with his back turned, I'm listening. And he cried, oh, so I did cuss. I said, did I just say a cuss word? The guy was like, no, he didn't say, he didn't cuss. But he was waiting on it. That's the way the world is. They may say that they're your friend, but they're walking close to you, waiting on you to fall, to push you on down. They're waiting and they rejoice when a Christian or when a child of God falls. But again, we see that as we saw last week, that it was this was the Lord's doing. They're laughing they're, and they're going to get punished. God told him, uh, 
Babylon, and they, they bring it out. They brought this up on God's people. God's going to punish them. Eventually. But verse 17, the Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. Just think of what we have just read. You have the, the elders who are in mourning, the young ladies in mourning, mothers in mourning because their children are dying. The people have, have given themselves over to deception or, and, and, and are now, as a result, are, are suffering the consequences of it. The, the enemies of God are, are ridiculing the, the people of God. And in verse 17, it says, the Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. God said that this was going to happen. You go back and read Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, you'll see all the curses that God said would come and they are here. They, they are here. And so as I close, one of the reasons we have the book of Lamentations is to graphically picture the consequences of sin, the, the, the consequences of rejecting God's word. Listen to this passage. Mark 14, 21. For the Son of Man is to go just as it was written, of him. He's talking about the cross. Be crucified. But woe. To that man. By whom the son of man. Is betrayed. It would have been good. For that man. If he had not. Been. Born. This is referring to Judas. Judas. Who was with Christ. Every day. He slept where Christ slept. He heard what Christ taught. He saw personally how Christ lived. And all of that, all of that truth that, that he saw of Christ, he still rejected it. He, 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 he rejected it. And I have to tell you, I don't know if everybody here is saved. I don't know if those who are watching online is saved, but I got to tell you the truth. Like Judas, like the people of Israel, there's a high price to pay in rejecting the truth of God's word. There's a high price to pay to reject Christ. There's a high price to pay to reject the gospel. To reject the truth. For whatever reason. Beloved. You must deny yourself. You must 
once and for all follow Christ. But if you refuse, if you don't examine your heart, truly examine your heart to see if you in your heart embrace Christ as the treasure of heaven. Hell awaits you. Today, today is the day of salvation. God's grace and mercy await you in Christ. And I cry out just like the prophet did. And God cried out through the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33 and 11. God says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. <laughs> That's what I cry. Turn back. Turn to Christ today. He said it twice. Turn back. Turn back. From your evil ways. Why will you die? Is what you have in this life worth suffering in hell for all eternity? Hear the voice of God in limitations. And turn to Christ. Let us pray. Father, we often live our lives, even as your children, not feeling the weight of what is to come for those who don't know you. And Father, I can say this of my own life, and I say this with shame, that there are days where the majority of time I'm not even thinking about those who are lost. Where I'm focused on me, myself, and I. And what a shame that is. Because the truth is, not only will you pour out your wrath and finality one day and in judgment, but even now, your wrath is being revealed. It is being revealed. In the world today, we're seeing droplets of your wrath being poured out upon this world. When we see homosexuality, when we see all the hatred and deception and rejection of your truth, And Father, these are only signs of what is to come. And the amazing thing about it, Father, that 
there are those who are rejoicing in the things that that are revealing your wrath. They're celebrating these things in our society. They're calling those things good. But in reality, they're an expression of your wrath. Your wrath of giving people over to do that which their hearts want to do. And so, Father, since we are aware of this reality, may we have a fresher heart to cry out as often as it comes to our mind and our heart. The awareness of the wrath that is to come. Give us a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency to not do what we want. Oh, what sinful hearts we still have to do what we want. But to proclaim the one who came from heaven. The holy one. The one who was right in all his ways. Who came and as a little baby and and grew up and and died for us. May that reality and the reality of the coming punishment for those who don't know you pull at our hearts every day. For the sake of Christ, amen.